It's so easy to get your hands on a signed copy of my best-selling book, Belonging Factor, for free. In fact, all you have to do is share this episode on social media using the hashtag BelongingFactor. Share it on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and we will select a winner each week to receive that free signed copy of my book. Thanks so much for being a part of the Belonging Factor family. You know, I worked for an amazing leader one time who said, you don't, don't tell people what's wrong unless you're going to show them what's right. In fact, sometimes it's better to just not tell them what's wrong and instead show them what's right. And so how do we evolve ourselves to that place? How do we eliminate armchair activists and help evolve as a society into armchair allies? Belonging Factor Podcast, a show about the power of people. Each week, we explore how great brands and great leaders inspire loyalty, build community, and grow profits. Here's an award-winning leader, entrepreneur, best-selling author, and your host, Devin Halliday. Hey, welcome to another week of the Belonging Factor Podcast. I am so glad that you have joined us this week. All right, I have a little disclaimer at the beginning of this show that I'd like to make sure everybody hears. So if you're joining us for the first time, this episode's a little different than many that we've done. We've had the opportunity to, to learn from and share with some incredible guests. And this week is a little bit more of a conversation, a little bit more of a, a an opportunity to just open minds around some topics. So that's really what I'm going to spend my time doing. I do recommend that you go check out some of the amazing guests we've had on the show so far. Some people who have truly opened minds and hearts. And it's been incredible to hear from you and your feedback about these guests. And uh, man, I just, I, I absolutely, absolutely have loved having everybody on. And we'll continue to do that. But no, today is just about really figuring out in this world that we live in, the environment that uh, exists right now, some of the things that are happening here in the U.S., but all across the world, uh, and the response and or lack thereof that exists from people who are just trying to figure out how to survive, some who are figuring out how to thrive, but everybody figuring out their place and where they belong. So I'll start with this one. Uh, this this may really kind of be at the crux of what I want to talk about today, and that's this this concept of being maybe an armchair activist or an armchair uh, pundit. I think slacktivist is a pejorative that's been used out there, right? Just in referencing this idea of uh, the keyboard warrior, get on the keyboard, throw a lot of criticism at people for what they're doing wrong or what doesn't align with your view of the world or your values. And then stopping short of 
that next and most important step, which is taking action on what should be right. And, you know, this isn't a new phenomenon. The Internet has brought this into our lives in general. Uh, a confidence grows through a sense of anonymity um, to, to sometimes speak. Other times that confidence is there because of the value that you intend to bring into the dialogue. Um, but more and more, we're all seeing this kind of keyboard activism, this armchair activism, the, the dialogue that stops at dialogue, the support that is just to fulfill a sense of, yeah, I said something and got it off my chest, but what am I really doing to truly move the environment forward? And so I would say that one perspective is that an armchair activist is a person who is feeling like things don't fit for them that they're seeing. They're seeing things that don't align with their worldview or their values. Um, they're seeing places that they or people that they don't trust, either the information or the motives. And it becomes that time to say, listen, this doesn't feel right. I don't I don't agree with this. This this doesn't fit my worldview and I don't belong with this kind of attitude approach. And so now I'm going to say something about it. And that's important. It's important to share your voice. It's important to have your voice. In fact, belonging is so much about having that, that sense of trust and vulnerability and openness to share. And that's kind of where we have to advance and move the needle. I believe all of you have seen this. All of you've been familiar with this. In a professional environment, people edit their their feedback, edit their thoughts for fear of what might happen. Might they be viewed as not a team player? Might they be viewed as a person who is just trying to rock the boat? Might they be viewed as not getting it? And on top of that, so many people bring themselves and their lives into that decision process um, with an understanding and lived experience that maybe because they are a person of a marginalized group, um, whether that is um, of a different gender, a different gender identity, race, age, ability. But people who have a long history of being discriminated against or not treated equally to those who enjoy many of the privileges that exist out there for, for folks. And so, you know, that also bears weight on the ability or decision to speak up. But then when we get to Twitter or when we get to Facebook or wherever that place is, that there's a sense of a bit of anonymity and maybe even a sense of kind of protection within the community that they are members of um, to voice things. And so the most capable, the most effective are those who not only point out where what's what they're seeing or commenting on kind of diverges from their worldview, but then also offers a path to bridge that gap, offers allyship to those who need it, offers awareness, information, knowledge to those who need it. And this is kind of that great divide that still exists. In fact, I would argue is growing based on my observations and feedback and even research and studies that exist around the type of content specifically online 
that is accusatory or that is in some way stopping short of truly advancing the next steps and instead is doing the most harmful thing, which is creating more divisiveness, which is creating a larger gap between those who have a certain view of the world uh, and those who have a different worldview. And if our mission here at The Belonging Factor and as humanity is to help create and foster an environment where we can lift all boats, where we can help each other understand, even if we still disagree, we have information, knowledge, wisdom that has been shared between us. That part, that sharing of the information, that trust to not be divisive, that's the part that armchair activists just get wrong. And so <laughs> why do I want to talk about this now? Well, in the U.S. here, as this episode is being recorded, we're entering into an election year for the president of the United States. And so from a political perspective, that creates quite a bit of charged emotion. And that's not dissimilar at all to the rest of the world. In fact, as this episode is being recorded, it was just last week that the UK left the European Union. And that was seen as something that, that was, was truly remarkable in the fact that it so differed for so many people, their stance on it. In fact, it was pretty divided. Um, and we're seeing more of that divisiveness, more of that split down the middle, ideology-based politics or ideology-based approach to life rather than using ideologies to help inform how you go about making sure that identity is not the only criteria, but also issues and policies that affect the greater good of that entire group or that entire nation in this in this case. So this is not a political post uh, or, or episode by any stretch, and I don't want us to start to turn much of our dialogue into those aspects. In fact, that's kind of the point here. You know, I, I read a really interesting quote lately, uh, recently, and, and it said, um, and I'm going to paraphrase here, of course, but it said, you know, the reason that we don't talk about politics or religion is because we weren't equipped. We didn't learn how to talk about these things in a healthy and constructive manner. And I, and, and again, I'm, I'm just taking this quote here, but we didn't learn to talk about thing, these things in a constructive manner. When we were growing up, we were taught not to talk about those. So our healthy skill sets that we've developed in our lives in so many areas and facets has not been applied or flexed as a muscle in those areas in the same way that it has been in others. So that also extends into conversations around privilege we experience or privilege we don't. That extends into things like the marginalized communities that have been systemically oppressed for years and years, decades, centuries. Um, we have difficulty talking about some of these topics. Why? Well, one is we're kind of, we've grown up being told not to. 
And so that makes it awkward, difficult, disjointed when we do enter those. In fact, most people just bow out. But those are real important pieces of our society, of our life. So how do we avoid something that is so material to both fundamental human rights and civil public conversation and discourse as we grow and evolve as a society? And that's where the armchair activists, again, really start to create more divisiveness. You know, and here, let me share a story of of a recent episode that I experienced personally. I have talked many times on this podcast about being a person of unearned privilege in just the simple fact that I was born cisgender, straight, white male. Uh, I didn't, I wasn't born into a wealthy family. I'm not a wealthy person now. Uh, I have worked really hard for all of the things that I have achieved. I've worked really hard to fail many, many times just to try and pick myself up and go again. And that's, that's actually part of the privilege that I've experienced. You see, being a cisgender straight white male gives me the ability to feel comfortable and confident to go out and just pick myself up and do it again because all of the examples in our society tend to be shared of people who are cisgender straight white male who are yeah, picking themselves and going and doing it, which means there's kind of already a bias that exists in all of us that, yep, you know, be a man, go do it, right? I mean, we even have phrases that are, you know, geared towards elevating this idea of who I am, right, as a, a, as a privileged person. Now, I've shared this, this concept very openly and honestly with people so they understand where I'm coming from, that I'm aware and I recognize. But what I've learned here recently is that sometimes people misconstrue that directness and that honesty. They, they feel like it's a bragging. And the fact that I'm saying I'm cisgender, straight, and white, and I have privilege is somehow bragging about that. And that's the exact opposite. In fact, I'm very clear in my messages that where I do share this, whether it is online or in a conversation face-to-face, I'm very clear about the fact that I recognize that this privilege is something that I haven't earned and that I have the ability to use. So how do I use it since I'm aware of it? Do I use it to open my world and extend that privilege to any and all that I can, or do I use it to just further advance anything and everything that makes me a better person, a more accomplished person, a more wealthy person. And again, in sharing the context is always there that it is about allyship. It is about the extension of that privilege because for me, the idea of creating a world where more people feel like they have trust and community and can belong outside of just a small, maybe marginalized group, but in a larger sense, that's important. So my life and my privilege informs that that's the direction I go. I share that. Keyboard activists, armchair activists, slacktivists, whatever we want to call them, um, tend to pop up when I share this. In fact, very recently, there were some folks who responded to a post I made 
And in that response, it was, how dare you come into this community with your privilege and just this and just that. Um, some of them got really, really nasty. Some of them were really, really long, right? Just, you could tell that there was a lot to say. And I replied, I replied to people. And it, what's so interesting is when I replied and said, thank you for sharing how you feel. I tell me, you know, tell me more. I want to learn. I'm open. Share. Only one, only one person took that opportunity and we've had great dialogue and we've come to a better understanding. In fact, I've come to a better understanding about how to introduce the, this concept into certain groups. And that's the idea, right? That's the whole piece. But then you have all of the, the folks who chose not to further engage in the dialogue, all of the folks who took that outrage off ramp when they typed and then bailed and went on to the next thing that presumably they were outraged about. Um, and so no learning, no growing, no building that bridge across this divide, but instead just further, further moving on and on down this idea of I'm right. They're wrong. Nothing else matters. Okay, next. And that's harmful. It's dangerous. It's as dangerous as, for example, a president of a country breaking the law, being impeached for breaking the law, and then being found by just a small group of other government officials to be totally cool. It's all good. We accept it. No worries. And, you know, so, yeah, that's happening in the U.S., but gosh, I mean, it's also happening in other places around the world and in some fashion, much worse. Uh, there, there are leaders of countries that are, that are doing much more harmful things to their population than just breaking the law. And so there's a, there's, there's a, I guess what I'm getting at is there's, there's a reason that people feel so emotionally charged about certain topics. But what we have to do is stop the armchair activism. Stop, stop being a slacktivist and actually try to move that, that discourse in a positive direction towards at least understanding towards at least enlightenment, enrichment, awareness, knowledge, sharing, and an understanding of each person's perspective. Nobody's going to come full on eye to eye on every topic. In fact, most people won't. And that's good. That's great. But if we can understand people's positions and understand their lived experiences and understand uh, where people, their background comes from, we can better inform and understand ourselves about how to move forward, about how to grow as a people, how to create a sense of belonging for others in the small piece of this earth or the office or the work environment that you are in charge of. Because really, at the end of the day, I believe everyone wants to feel loved, to feel trust, and to be good. I truly believe that that's in everybody. But circumstances sometimes shift that path. So, you know, as, 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 as I got further into this conversation with this one individual who replied to me, we ended up setting up a time to meet in person and have some coffee. That's incredible to me that, that 
somebody who had such a um, passionate initial response was also willing to take the next step. And what is disheartening is to see those who just vent vitriol and then move on. And they do it with words like, you don't belong here. Get away. We don't need you. And that just further perpetuates a divide. All right. So let's wrap that, that little piece up here, kind of pause that one and expand on this idea then of, of what maybe we could be doing. You know, I worked for an amazing leader one time who said, you know, don't, don't tell people what's wrong unless you're going to show them what's right. In fact, sometimes it's better to just not tell them what's wrong and instead show them what's right. And so how do we evolve ourselves to that place? How do we eliminate armchair activists and help evolve as a society into armchair allies? You see, a person in a marginalized group can be an ally for a person of privilege. And that's interesting to say, um, because number one, it's not their responsibility. It's a responsibility of a person with privilege to extend that privilege. Um, allyship is not about being asked. It's also not about putting on you know, a cape, as my friend Julie Kratz says, um, and saying, I'm here to rescue. Um, it's about being sincere and honest and listening and learning. And so the reason I say a person in a marginalized group can actually be an ally for a person outside of a marginalized group is, is they have a lived experience and a set of knowledge that does not exist uh, very frequently within the privileged groups at all. So then what does the allyship look like from a person maybe in a marginalized community to a person of privilege? It looks like asking questions the same way it would anywhere else. It looks like offering to provide insights the same as it would anywhere else. So we're all in unique positions to be able to offer something of value to others. And when we make the choice to, instead of offering value, simply only offer teardowns, criticisms, vitriol, we perpetuate the exact thing that we are raging against. So today I'm going to leave this episode here. I'm going to ask that you guys take your thoughts, your feelings around this topic and think about this. What can I do to show people what's right? Instead of just telling them what's wrong, how can I take action on creating that environment where people feel a little bit more trust? a little bit more awareness, a little less otherness through my words, my actions, my behaviors. How can I do that? Ask yourself that question. And then today when you, and tomorrow and, and onward, but today make a plan about what it looks like for you in your daily communication. How many people do you talk to face to face? How many people do you correspond with via message, whether that's email or Slack or text, you name it. And then 
how many people am I interacting with or interfacing with online? What kind of content am I sharing? What kind of comments am I replying? And if you're listening to this show, the chances are you're probably much further ahead of the game than many people. You're probably offering value more frequently than many people. But do you choose not to respond to somebody who espouses hate or vitriol or do you respond in kind or do you respond with a true intention of advancing? Think about that and think about now when I'm having these interactions, what do I need to be aware of? What should I be aware of to avoid assumptions and instead seek clarification? What do I need to be aware of to listen and learn where that person is coming from? instead of only trying to tell them where I'm coming from. What do you do to foster that environment of being inquisitive, of being curious, of learning? And if you're a leader of people, you have so many opportunities naturally built into your title authority and your natural role to have this effect. And we talk about this in the Belonging Factor book and going back and listening to some of the podcast guests that have been on, you can learn some of these tips and tricks. But for today, just start at one place. If you're not a leader of people, you have a different dynamic to bring. You have that peer dynamic. You have that associate dynamic. You have a more community dynamic. Uh, just inherent, again, in your relationship to, to the folks around you. So same questions for you, right? What, what do those things look like? And if you answer those questions, just take out a post to take out your phone, you know, uh, open up the note app on your phone and just type a, a few notes for yourself. When I'm face to face with people, here's what I'm listening for. Here's what I'm looking for to ensure I don't make assumptions, to ensure that I understand their position and where they're coming from before I respond or simply offer anything that is an attempt to advance my thoughts or position. And then when you get online, and you read something that just blows your mind. It's just totally atrocious. It's, it's, it really gets you. You need to have your plan. What's the one or two things that you want to ensure you have so you're not a slacktivist, but instead a person who is offering the world around you to engage in a better or deeper dialogue and create a sense of belonging. Now, I'll tell you, I'm not perfect. I've been in both camps. I've been the let me fire it out because, man, this pisses me off. And most of the time, I've either gotten called out on it and corrected it or I've corrected it myself um, after hitting send and having to edit. Uh, but more frequently these days, I tend to pause. Sometimes that pause is a day or two before responding. More frequently these days, I tend to try to look for that person's position and where they're coming from before I respond from my position, because there's something to learn. Even in vitriolic comments, there's something to learn. And more importantly, if someone is offering criticism, my suggestion, meet that criticism with curiosity. Not hyperbolic curiosity, not sarcastic curiosity, but just genuine curiosity. Wow. I didn't realize that this would be as upsetting for you as it was. Would you mind sharing with me? 
or I appreciate you took the time to share. I'd like to learn more about why you feel that way. Anything, anything as gentle as that gives an opportunity to move forward. Now, if that person runs or if that person continues their epithetic vitriol, you understand that you know, right now maybe not is the best time. That person may have something else going on in their life that is just so consuming of them that it's coming out to you. And that's okay. We all can move forward. So that's, that's really it for this week. That's really it for today. I'd like you to practice it, and I'd love to hear your feedback about what's happening as you are practicing it. You can find me on LinkedIn, Devin Halliday. Send me a direct message. You can always email the show. We love reading the emails at ibelong at belongingfactor.com. Those are the best ways to get in touch. Those are the best ways to share feedback. And of course, of course, please, please ask the questions. Learn more. Share more. Be more. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Belonging Factor podcast this week. It has been, uh, gosh, a long time since we've done an episode like this. I hope you find it valuable. Go back and check out some of the incredible guests that we've had on. We can't wait to see you next week.